Hello everybody, I'm Sorpos Hills, sitting here next to Ben Rikosh, and this is Paper Thin Thoughts. We, short-sighted, ill-advised, thought-provoking dimwits, speak our truths about trending topics that we experience in our daily lives. And this week, we got into... What did we get into this week? We had a jam-packed episode this week. We had a fantastic interview with published author Jenna Wishi. We did a pizza review with a pizza-themed draft. We did a World Cup segment with Mr. Manning and Jacob Engel. We had a jam-packed highlights with a couple of controversial takes. And closed it out with a fantastic discussion with Kids in the Hall. Hello, PTT listeners. We are here today with a renowned published short story writer, the Discussion League Club at CHS, and an epic pitcher for the baseball team, Jin Oishi. Jin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for uh, taking the time to come here. It's been a long time in the making, hasn't it? Yeah, I've been, uh, I love the format of the podcast. So hopefully, this is my first time on a podcast. Hopefully, first of many to come. First time. All right. Well, today we have a range of questions that we can indulge in, and then a, a th- uh, what do we call it? A thoughtful draft. Oh, nice. First question: What have been some of your favorite or least favorite um, discussions so far as part of the philosophy club? Well, we'll start um, with we'll start with favorite. Yeah, I, um, I I really enjoyed the talking about Nietzsche and his uh, theories uh, that he's come up with over the years um he wasn't very popular in his day but after his death he became really popular um and you know he was actually hijacked and like misunderstood by very far right-wing nationalists uh but when you just look at his work it was uh clearly uh there's clearly a lot of great stuff uh there so to some people like myself who don't know a lot about that sort of area of knowledge can you describe sort of what his ideals were yeah so it's um it's hard for me to just do justice to him in such a short amount of time but um his main thing is about the overman that he wrote about in the spokes or sutra and uh forgive me if i butchered the german but uh i don't speak german uh and it's about you know how man is the bridge between ape and the overman um and as a transitory period he considers it um between becoming a higher self cool and are there any modern maybe current day philosophers that you look up to or like their ideas um so there's actually a uva uh profess- philosophy professor i like named uh talbot brewer and uh, i'd like to see his philosophy lecture sometime oh cool um now i know philosophy club is you know sort of a it's a friday sort of mellow environment but has there ever been like a heated discussion in philosophy club and if so what was that over um i i do remember uh he did one about the nature of marriage i believe um see we kind of it's a very open discussion like um and we we don't like force philosophy into it. It's it's clearly philosophy club, but you know, w- the kids are free to talk about um, 
what we want to. And I think Amari had a topic about hedonism and somehow that, that got into marriage and that got kind of heated actually. Um, but overall, it's a very open, welcoming, free discussion. That's what we try to emphasize. It's free. Anyone can say what the, they got on their mind. What's your main goal with Philosophy Club? Uh, I know you're not the founder, but you're part of the founding family. Wh- why, why was Philosophy Club founded? Um, well, we, we had an interest, uh, you know, Sam and Benny and Asher and I, we, we were all interested in philosophy and we knew that, um, so we wanted to create a forum for us to discuss it. Um, and we also, you know, philosophy has a bit of an image problem. It's, um, people view it as like a dry and pretentious field, um, but it's actually very fun and very meaningful and we wanted to share that and sort of uh, help change that image. Yeah, and speaking of um, how people view it, um, how do you think the media is portraying philosophy as a whole? Is it good coverage or bad or not understanding? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to blame the media entirely for this and media, but I mean film and entertainment as well. But it's, it's definitely contributed to that image, you know, stereotyping this academic as the pretentious guy who's not you know not a guy you want to hang out with kind of dry and boring and that's really not what philosophy is all about yeah um i'm not sure if you've seen it but you know philosophy has become much more of a mainstream topic and for shows like the nbc's the good place um you know that's kind of what it's centered around i'm not sure if you're familiar with that show but um yeah what do you know about that yeah i haven't seen that show and i i've heard good things about that um but yeah, so f- generally as a field, like philosophy majors, it's declining and philosophy, you know, is on the decline um, in academia. And that's that's a sort of issue where, you know, kids just don't want to major in it. So the philosopher professors, like you can't hire that many now. Yeah. And it's sort of repeating. Um, and I hope that, you know, through media as one form to get that out there that we can reinvigorate the field of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've said that you want to major in philosophy wherever you end up going to school. Why do you want to do that, especially if uh, philosophy major is on such a decline? Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, there's, there's still many great philosophy professors out there at, you know, universities. So there's that opportunity is like still there yeah. um, despite the decline. And, you know, I primarily consider myself a writer. And I feel like at a certain point, I fell in love with literature and I was like, great literature has this in common. And I found that all of my favorite writers were actually really great philosophers too. And that's what really enriched their work. Um, So that's what took me into philosophy, really. Um, It was from art and literature to philosophy. And what were some of those books that, kind of transitioned you into philosophy after figuring out that you were very fond of writing. Do you have like a recommendation for someone who would like to start to learn about philosophy? So pretty much everyone's read Catcher in the Rye. That was like a book that got me into serious literature. Um, The short story Cathedral by Raymond Carver is amazing at um, conveying its philosophical idea in a super interesting short story form. Um, And that's one of my favorite uh, works of fiction. If you were to make a Genoichi book of philosophy, what would the first chapter be about? 
Yeah, so I actually started, uh, I wrote the first chapter of a philosophy book. Um, it's called The Progress of Language. And I wrote the introduction about how, you know, I think that language has this capability that certain sensory arts has um, to be this um, better form of communication. Because every now and then, you know, people are like, well, I feel certain things that I don't know how to say. I don't. I can't express it in words. Yeah. And I think language can advance to a more complex form where we can express ourselves uh, better. Is this this is gonna be a, a a novel, not a short story? Yeah. I mean, so I kind of stopped working on it for a while. Um, you know, I kind of work on. You know, I don't have a set period of writing time, so I just yeah. kind of work write whatever I feel like writing. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll get back to that. Um, eventually, I'll write it. Uh, but uh, right now, it's paused. <laughs> yeah, so as I mentioned, you're a published writer. Um, can you talk about a little bit about what you've done so far and how that's helped you with your career path and what you want to do in the future? Yeah, um, so I actually read this article about Raymond Carver, and it said, uh, Raymond Carver, at age 16, he said, he will become a great writer at any cost. And at age 17, that's kind of my mindset. Um, Getting published was a really cool experience, uh, of course, for the first time, you know. I had been published in like the Unfinished Jigsaw, but this was Mm -hmm. like my first major publication. Uh, So it was really exciting for me. Um, And I think it's a, you know, it's just cool to see your name on, on and so you you got fun. published in a magazine about deep south culture, correct? Um, what were some of the things that you wrote about, and do you have a hard copy of that magazine hanging up on a, on your wall? Uh, that would be really nice. Um, but uh, I I wrote what I wrote there was a book review, and it was an advanced book review of a copy that I got from the publisher. And, uh, that was that was what it was all about. Cool. A book called Beasts of the Earth. Awesome. And I think it's come out now. So Awesome. Yeah. Um and so like I know you talked about writing a book, but you're also interested in, in short stories. What what's what's your goal with that and like why do you like short stories so much? Is it because you can write about so many different things or you can write so many different things? Um, yeah. Talk about that experience. Yeah, there's so, there's so many reasons I find short stories really compelling. Um, in AP Lang, when I first read A Perfect Day for Banana Fish by mm-hmm. J.D. Salinger, I was really impressed by the vast possibilities of the form, right? You know, a lot of people think of, like, short stories, well, you have so little time to tell a story. Um, but when you look at Hemingway and his iceberg theory of fiction, which is that the iceberg as a metaphor for short stories um, where... 80% is under the surface. And I found that fascinating. And I, I started to apply that to my short stories. And I think that's uh, made it a lot richer. So one example of that would be, I wrote like a three, 4,000 word short story, and then I cut it down to 298 words. Wow. Um, to really make sure I was as concise as possible. Yeah. And take that theory to the limit, push the limits. Michelle Walter would be proud. That's deep revision right there. <laughs> what do you usually write about? Just anything you want? Um, like, where do you get inspiration yeah, from? That's that's a great question. Um, so I, I like to center my work around a philosophical idea. And this is kind of where we get back to where we started, right? Um, I center around a philosophical idea. 
and then I try to work the plot around that so that it it serves that purpose of expressing it. And um, what would you, you say was the other part of the question? Like, like, what do you where do you get inspiration from? Oh yeah, I get I get a lot of inspiration from other arts. Um, so as a as a child, I really loved going to museums and stuff. So uh, music and uh, painting are the two best sources of inspiration for me personally. I love Hopper, love Ravel. Awesome. You know? And if someone listening to this wanted to read one of your stories, would they be able to? Yeah, well, um, I recently submitted one to be published in Lit Magazine, so hopefully I'll hear back awesome. from them soon. And Awesome. Uh, we can link that once it's yep. <laughs> if, if we um, get published. Awesome. Um, you're a man of many talents, so let's get into one of those now. On the baseball diamond, um, you're a pitcher, correct? Yes. What Talk about your pitching ability. Are you, you know, mostly a closer or a starter, or w- what's in your arsenal? Yeah, so I'm... I'm a pitcher. I'm a starting pitcher for CHS. Um, we had a bit of a rough year last year, but I was w- uh, one of the two primary starters. Um, and I, I throw a fastball, curveball, changeup mix. And what's the team looking like this year? Um, I'm excited for it. I think, you know, we've been, from what I hear, we're returning a lot of our core members. And uh, it's going to be exciting. My last year, you know, all I want is just 11, 12 other teammates who who have a lot of grit, and there's nothing more I can ask for them. Yeah, commitment is what most seniors really need for their last year to go out yeah. on a strong note. Yeah, and if so, I'll be happy. That's mm-hmm. all I want. As a man of strong culture, you've said that you're really into food and the art of food, among many other types of art, but food is one of them. You have a favorite restaurant or an underrated restaurant or a food hot take? Yeah, so my favorite food is probably raw oyster. So I'm going to have to nice. shout out uh, Public Fish and Oyster. Good choice. That's, um, very cool place. I also really enjoy uh, vineyards. So King Family Vineyard, I have a lot of great memories there. And also Pippin Hill has really great food. Awesome. I guess we'll close it out. Um, do you have, like, what's one piece of great advice that you would have for just any any person listening to this right now? Um, I would just tell them about the power of the arts to really enrich your life. Um, I, it completely changed who I am as a person. Um, you know, I feel like I would be so much more of an ignorant person if not for all the books uh, I've read and all the art that I've consumed. Um, and it really gives you this sort of connection, um, and it makes you feel whole, and it, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I can really see the passion, and yeah. it's really respectable. Awesome. Well, as many of you know, last week Soren pointed out that he had never had pineapple on pizza, so evidently we had to do a pizza review and test it out. Insert the clip here. Okay guys, this is the pizza review. This is my first time ever eating Hawaiian pizza. We are at where? Uh, Vita Nova, we're proud to get into the pizza review game. We are outside in the cold weather for this sacrifice. In front of me I have a piece of Hawaiian. It looks very, very, very 
very appetizing. And to my right, I have a piece of cheese pizza. Off looks, I'm gonna rate it a four out of 10. It's kind of concerning looking because there's a lot of ham, but I do like ham, but it's kind of off-putting. I do you wanna hold this while I get into a bite. We gotta get some. We gotta get the. Let's do it. I I really hope that you like this. This this is one of my favorite pizzas, especially from Via Nova. And solid. I'm gonna take another bite. I I gotta get some more tastes. You know, I'll go ahead and just say something. So I think that, you know, a lot of people don't like pineapple on pizza. They think it like sweet and savory don't mix uh, in this situation. But I really like this pizza, especially from Via Nova. It's my, uh, definitely in my top uh, pizzas. This is my first time trying it. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. No, I think it's misjudged. All right. All right. Let's hear your thoughts. My thoughts are, it's got a good balance of the original pizza flavor, but the ham adds some good texture. And I really appreciate texture on food, and the ham adds a lot. I don't taste the pineapple as much in this scenario, but there's a very good texture to that. It's like kind of airy, and there is a little sweet aftertaste, which I do appreciate. So, out of 10, I'm going to rate it a solid 7.6. A pizza, a cheese pizza, typical cheese pizza, I'm going to rate an 8. So, that's high on my scale. My favorite pizza is a black olive. Ben, any words? I think it's a fair rating. Um, if I were to rate this pizza, I'd give it, you know, this, the, the, this combination of toppings, not like uh, this pizza, but I would rate it. An eight six. Okay. It's top tier. I mean there aren't very many top tier topping combinations, but I think that this one particularly you're right, they did go a little easy on the pineapples here, but yeah. It's light and fluffy and so heavy at the same time and it's it's filling too, you know, because there's meat yeah. and everything. So I think that this pizza is really, really good. Um, we'll have a pull up on Instagram to hear your thoughts on pineapple on pizza, but now you've heard it from us. Soren, any last words? I'm just getting into this. I'm almost done with my slice already. It is very, very good. It is misjudged. Um, there was a lady that walked up and said it was a crime to humanity as I was eating it, so she's wrong. All right. During the pizza review, I'm, I don't know if Ben's gonna cut it out, but this lady came up to us. Well, not really, but she like exited P uh, Vita Nova. And she was like staring at us for a couple of seconds because we were talking to a phone because not many people do that. And she stared at us. And when Ben said Hawaiian, she like scoffed a little bit and then said, Hawaiian, is that what you're eating? And we we're like, yeah. And she's like, you guys, Hawaiian is the scum of the earth. And I don't know what her motive was, but she was throwing massive shade to Hawaiian. And in my review, you could see that it is a solid, solid piece of choice. And that transitions us into the draft and our draft today is top three pizza toppings slash combinations so it could be any combination on pizza and once you once it's picked it's off the table 
and we'll let you go first, Jared. So any toppings on the table? Any toppings on the table okay. right now? Build your build your draft, and it'll be voted on Instagram. Okay, first one, I, I'm gonna put oyster on but, pizza. Before we start, before we good. start, I want to say something. So in the in the past few uh, drafts, as we know, I've been winning, and so I tally, I tallied up all the votes, and I just wanna, you know, put it out in the world here. So so far, we've done five drafts, right? They've all been great. I have three wins. Soren has one win, and the guest only has one win. So Jin. See if you can propel the guests into uh, the league, or not the league, because I'm still in the lead regardless. But see if you can uh, propel them into second place. Go ahead. Okay, so my first pick would be oyster on pizza. I don't know how common that is. I don't know if it exists. I've never heard of that. Sounds fire. <laughs> so have you? Uh, I mean. Have you even ever seen that? No, I've never had it before. <laughs> but I just imagined as a topping, raw oyster would taste amazing. I have actually seen something like that, uh, raw clam on pizza, and you can get that in more nor- northern states. Yeah, New England? New England, exactly. In New Haven, they have a place called Modern Pizza that's very, very solid, and my mom got clam. Yeah, that- did you taste it? I did not, but I like clams, and I, I do like oysters, and I like, um, well, I don't know. I, I do like mussels, too. A lot of them are very solid, but I bet it would taste rather similar. And it was very good. For my pick, I'm going to take a classic, can't go wrong with it, pepperoni. It's my go-to. I mean, every pizza place. I mean, there's some bad pepperoni. There's some good pepperoni. But pepperoni always hits the spot. You know, it's not too heavy. And you still get that nice taste of cheese. And I'm going to go really basic here. Take the probably number one choice of everyone. It's cheese pizza. Um, you can't go wrong with it. It's very versatile. You could also add whatever you want on top of it, and it would still taste how you'd like. So I'm taking cheese off the table. Um, Jen, what's your second pick here? Um, it's a tough draft. There's not many left in it. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking pesto maybe. Ooh, interesting. I, I, think, uh, I think pesto is a good choice. Have, you've had pesto pizza? Yeah. It's uh, good. Nice. I'll have to try that out. Did you have the pesto pizza where it's the pesto sauce instead of the regular sauce? Yeah, I think it was Alfredo sauce. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. Alfredo sauce and cheese and pesto. Ooh, that's solid. Where did you have that? Don't remember, but I lived. I used to live in New York. Um, okay. So I lived there for two years. Nice. Um, let's see, my second pick, I'm going to go with classic meat lover's pizza. You can have Soren is upset here. You can have uh, sausage, ham, pepperoni, you name it. It it's on there. Uh, you know, it's not good at every pizza place, but when it is, it hits the spot. Um, so therefore, I'm going meat lovers pizza. My second pick. I'm gonna get a lot of hate here. It's not a choice you see most common. And if someone doesn't like this food, they're not gonna want to even t- touch the pizza. It's black olive pizza, very solid. The lo- really small cut, oh man, it just adds a little bit more texture onto the pizza and a little bit more richness to the cheese. And sprinkle a ton of oregano on there. It's crazy. Yeah, that sounds good. Jin, your last pick. Last pick. Oof. I'm gonna go with chicken. Chicken on pizza. Yeah. It's not the worst. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I've I, had, I like protein. Yeah, I've had so. chick, chicken Parmesan pizza. Yeah. It's, in, it's in the same food group, you know, Italian. So not the worst. And I'm thinking chicken might be popular in this uh, poll. So what kind of chicken get, are you thinking? Might help me get some votes. <laughs> thinking just grilled chicken or grill thinking grilled chicken or any like seasoning on there? I think grilled chicken makes sense. Fried chicken would be a little wild. <laughs> yeah. A little, little too many calories, maybe. I've put chicken nuggets on pizza before and it was solid, but yeah. I think grilled chicken would take the take the lead on there. Yeah, and I definitely prefer I think chicken's like the best meat to put on there, probably. I don't know. Yeah, good pick. As I always am with my last pick. I'm going between three different options. I'm, I'm, I'll make a spoiler because I know your last pick. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm choosing between margarita pizza. You have one more pick. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going with margarita pizza. I'm going with supreme pizza, or I'm going with Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> no, I can't decide. Let's take a curveball here. I want to hear your last pick. What? This is cheating. You just skipped your round. Wow. Okay. Um, thinking on the fly here, my last pick is going to have to be. I don't know any pizzas. Just for the reason. Oh man, if I pick Hawaiian, I'm gonna get. There's gonna be so many bad reviews, because it's like thirty percent chance people like it, seventy percent people people don't like it. I'm going to go with margarita. Ben put that idea in my head, and it is very solid. Lampo margarita pizza is unbeatable in Charlottesville. I'd say it's the top choice for pizza. Um, it's professionally done, and it never never misses. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I, I do usually get margarita when I go get yeah. some pizza. So, Well, you made my pick easy. I can't have vegetables on my pizza anymore, but I can have one of my top favorite pizzas, which is Hawaiian pizza. Pineapple and ham, my favorite, as you heard in the review, is from Via Nova. Great pizza, great people, all around. I think I'm winning this draft. I don't. I, I personally don't think you're going to win just because of that Hawaiian choice because it's super, super, super controversial. Um, but we'll see. I'm thinking a last place for Ben here, second place for Jen, first for, first for me. Well, you saw the leaderboard. I still have first place no matter what happens. It's one notch off the, like, one tick off the table, I guess. I'm yeah, we'll, coming back. We'll see what people think of oyster on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> we have we'll kind of an obscure draft here. Uh, thank you for our participating, Jin. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, do you have anything you want to say to the world before we close it out? Uh, not much. Uh, just to... Uh, read my work when it gets published all right we'll put that we'll put that link all over the internet yeah uh, and it was a pleasure to be on hopefully we, this is a first of many yes thank you so much welcome everybody back to the highlights we just had a very, very thoughtful and intriguing, very passionate interview with Genoishi. Ben, how do you think that interview went? It was a lot of fun. It's a long time coming, so uh, it was good to have Jin on and uh, excited to do the highlights now. Yeah. First into the highlights, we got 
a Mr. Manning and Jacob Angle World Cup check-in. Um, we figured we'd do this probably every week or so, or at least when the U.S. plays, to keep uh, you guys updated with our opinions and other uh, soccer enthusiasts. It's called soccer. It is called soccer. So let's get into that real quick. All right, everybody. I know we did a World Cup segment last week, but with the uh, group stage almost done, I thought that it would be great to get a couple of guests back on. So we have Mr. Manning, who was on last week. Thank you for coming again. Mm -hmm. And we have Jacob Engel, who is the goalie on the CHS soccer team. Thank you. Backup keeper, right? (laughs) Uh, That is incorrect. All right. So I guess we'll just discuss what's been happening. What are your guys' thoughts on the USA victory? Jacob, you want to start first? Yeah, sure, I'll go up first. Uh, I think watching the game, uh, as a spectator, it's hard to have an opinion on the manager, <laughs> but I have disagreed with a lot of the decisions, uh, especially regarding substitutions. Uh, I am still confused as to why Reyna is not playing uh, at striker. Uh, he has not been in the conversation in, in the rotation. I, I think that's something that's that might be hurting our team, especially as we go into the next game. It's true. He I did agree. see some minutes against England, but that's all I've seen of him. When I've I think, yeah, just about 12 minutes. Yeah. But the the manager does have cool shoes. <laughs> Bear Halter has cool, <laughs> cool yeah. shoes. He does swap out his shoes pretty frequently. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, I, th- I mean, it is, Jacob, they're definitely, I would agree that there are some tactical things that are curious decisions. But at the end of the day, I mean, he did what he needed to do. I mean, last the U.S. has not been in the World Cup in eight years, completely in disarray after the last one when they didn't make it. And he's brought them to a point where they can pretty comfortably, you know, go through. They didn't lose. They haven't lost a single game yet. They really yeah, have only let, true. other than one PK, they haven't let anything go through. Mm-hmm. There are still some things that you have to. I'm a little curious about going into the knockout stages. Defensively, the U.S. dodged a few bullets in that second half. I mean, especially yeah. the last when Matt Turner <laughs> let the ball go through his legs. I'm sure, I mean, Jacob, I'm sure you can speak as a goalie. Like, I'm, I'm sure his life flashed before his eyes because that's the worst feeling to be in, I'm sure. It was Zimmerman who saved him, right? I think I think it was Carter Vickers. Oh, okay. Zimmerman, it might have been Zimmerman, though, because that was one of the weird substitutions where he yeah. brought Zimmerman, he brought three center backs and then kind of sat back, and you were just a little bit like, we're a better team. We really should not just be letting them put pressure on us. But, you know. Yeah, I, I think especially after the first goal, going into the second half, uh, we dropped off and we let them press us as we, you know, tried to hold the ball. But at some point, you have to have some confidence that you you are the better team, and you you go ahead and take the fight to them. Keep it on their half. Try and keep the pressure up and get another goal. To instead of inviting the pressure, sitting back, um, yeah, being a little yeah. bit more scared. Sounds like our club team. Yeah, <laughs> it no does confidence. sound like skyline. But Jacob, what were your thoughts on the goalie's performance, like? Your analysis. Uh, Matt Turner, uh, mm-hmm. every time he has the ball on his feet, it gives me a heart attack. Hey, but he um, looks pretty composed in the back. He's just playing to the center backs. He, he does look composed, but I feel like as a goalkeeper, in those times where you look composed, it's like you're just a slip away from yeah. giving them a goal. And there was that one point in the game where he pretty much dribbled like three, three dribbles past... Um, past the striker yeah. and then gave the ball away. I mean, if that striker was, you know, someone who's a little bit faster, I, I think he doesn't get the ball off and, and he makes a, you know, 
devastating mistake. Yeah. Jacob, as a goalie, what are your thoughts on Mexico's uh, o Ochoa? I don't know if I'm Ochoa. saying that mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Ochoa getting all the recognition after last week's close game. I mean, he's an amazing goalkeeper. I think everybody knows that. He's probably one of the highlights um, on Mexico's team. I don't, I don't know a ton about their roster. Yeah. Um, but watching him play is is pretty pretty spectacular. Yeah. Uh, I I think in last week's game, the defense really like if he had a better. Uh, a better defense, a child would be able to make the saves. Uh, the defense wasn't even pushing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Ochoa only comes in at World Cup. I don't see him anywhere else except for when World Cup comes around. Where do does he play? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm unsure. Ben, look it up. On top of my head, I don't know what. I don't know if he's. He might be in Liga MX. And what is is that like a? That's the so that's, that's the Mexican. Mexican. Oh, okay. He does league. play for Liga MX. Yeah. Is it Club America? Is it Club yes. America? Club America. Yeah. Okay, that's like the that's that's like the team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's there's like two teams in Club MX that are, I would say, are like competitive on a world stage, and the rest are kind of like not not so good. They're yeah. kind of like MLS. There's probably one team that could play against others, but yeah. So I guess to wrap it up, we got to go to the big question. It seems to me like. England has been clearly the best team so far, and then mm. France in a close second. Mm -hmm. um, that, I mean, we can debate that all <laughs> wow. you want, but how have your perceptions of who the favorite is to win the whole thing changed over the past couple of weeks? Well, I, I just watched the France game just today, and they're pretty rough. Um, they're okay at passing in the final third, but everywhere else it's kind of okay. Um England is good. They're good at scoring. But Brazil is obviously is probably one of the top choices just because of their history. And their Richarlison goal, he gained 4 million followers on Instagram because of that goal. <laughs> but I think that Brazil is top. France can be good. U.S. is going to win. <laughs> I'd say it's like a 50% chance we win. Um, <laughs> oh, 50% chance U.S. wins the whole thing. Yeah. It's Whoa, just in the stats. The yeah. yeah, it's just in the stats. <laughs> that's um, not true. That's no, it is. There's no stat that says that. It's literally it's true. It's probably a 2% chance. It's true. Trust me, it's true. I saw it on Wikipedia. Right. Jacob, who's your pick to win it all? If you have a pick. As of right now. Like, who's looking good? It's It's, <laughs> it's difficult to say. I know I can rule out some. I think England has probably the best players, but they're they're way too disorganized. Mm -hmm. I I think what's his name Stockholm? No, it's not his <laughs> name. Uh, it's it's something like that. Um, uh, the English manager doesn't know what he's doing with all these high level South, players. Southgate. That's Southgate. Southgate. Stockholm. He. I mean, just some history about him. It's not. I'm not gonna get the dates exactly correct, but for the past four years. Or since 2009, he hasn't coached a professional club. He's only been doing under 21, uh, like, National League. And then 2016, he came up to the actual National League. Okay. So, with with the amount of talent that he has on his team, I don't think he's the same caliber of making making those players get in the best positions and have the, uh, the best opportunity to, to win games. <laughs> um, uh, for a top pick... Probably, probably Brazil. Um, in terms of 
Especially, I, I like watching the keepers. Allison Becker is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they got Ederson benched. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They've got a whole starting squad on the bench yeah. for like any league. Mm. Uh, Mr. Manning, your thoughts? I think that already you can see injuries are playing kind of a major role. I mean, Neymar's at all group stage. He's hurt. Pulisic sacrificed his body for the game. He'll be fine for Saturday, but I mean, he looked he looked pretty rough coming <laughs> off the field. Um, and I mean, like France, they've had some injury issues coming into the tournament. You have running these things like really honestly, who's going to be the healthiest? I mean, personally for me right now, I think Spain has looked the most consistent. Mm. They probably have looked the best top down. I know they tied Germany. It was a result Germany had to have. So, and we'll see. I mean, England has played well. And they've been there before. I mean, they just went through the Euros. When you get to group stage, it's a very different mentality. Yeah. So you might be able to throw away, or when you get to knockout stage, I mean to say. We'll see. Uh, so I hope that you all enjoyed that quick little soccer discussion. I want to kick it off here with a nice tweet of the week. I thought that because this episode is coming out on December 1st, and we're getting into the holiday season, this might be a uh, good topic to discuss. <clears throat> so the dog brings a stick inside, and then the person says, eh, no, that belongs outside. So then the dog goes back outside. True. But then the person at Christmas time brings an entire tree inside, and then the dog says, what the actual f*** is that? True. <laughs> Is that the tweet? <laughs> it's like so confusing for the dog. I feel bad for them. Is that the tweet? That's the tweet. That's a that's a good thought actually. It's a good it's a good thought. Uh shout out to just a little bit of a interesting username here, but shout out to Dadman Walking. Okay. <laughs> uh clearly a uh a writer of some kind, but yeah. This I thought this was a very interesting tweet and uh it's a really really interesting topic for if you were a dog yeah my thought is dogs are not smart therefore i don't think their memory is as great as others maybe that's why they keep bringing in sticks into the house and getting disappointed but um since they probably don't remember that they bring sticks in and then a person brings a whole tree in i don't know how that would go in their mind in their tiny acorn sized mind yeah i think they're just like Having a party in there, I don't know what's, <laughs> what the thought process is. Yeah, because I feel so bad for them because, you know, whenever they bring in a little twig <laughs> from the woods, they're reprimanded and don't, don't get to eat dinner. But then when, <laughs> when there's don't a... Don't feed your dogs <laughs> and they, they bring in a twig? But then, <laughs> but then when there's a uh, big <laughs> tree in the house yeah, in December, you know, like everybody is around for a party. So I just feel bad for those dogs. Shout out to dogs. Yeah, why don't we let them chew on a little twig? What's it What's it hurting? Fantastic question. Yeah. Well, we'll let you guys think about that. But we'll let Ben think of an answer for guess who said it real quick. Ben's reputation is awful. Um, Bad reputation, you might say. Sure. Um, when was the last time you got a two for two on this? Uh, never. Or a full score? <laughs> never. Never? I don't think that's ever happened. All right, well. We'll get we'll we'll test our luck again, Ben. We have a quote from either Serena Williams or Venus Williams. Now this is a trick question. It's two sisters, so it's practically impossible they play the same sport, and they're both very talented. Do you want to hear the quote? Let's hear the quote. I'm excited. 
I've always found the rain very calming. Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough <laughs> one to decipher. I see if you, here, let's try to pull some logic out of this. We we talked about this in a past episode, but there was a movie called King Richard that came out about a year and a half or two years ago, and it was about Venus and Serena's father, and they're the two young girls, you know, childhood with having such a an, an enforcing uh, parent presence. Yeah. And I remember vividly there was one scene where they were out playing tennis late at night in the pouring rain. Uh-huh. So I can see either of this them saying it, but you know, I'm gonna say uh, Serena Williams, just just because. Then you're wrong. <laughs> you are so good at this. You're so good at getting them wrong. Um, that is his eleventh on full score. What's it called? Half score? I don't know what it's called, but the day the day when you get it right, Ben, there will be a party. Well, and and we shrinked it from having two quotes to one quote, so, so it's, it's even easier. So it's even easier to now, and I can't do it. Oh man. All right, well, let's do something where there's an obvious correct answer for you. Uh, the quick question of the week. Ben, you want to yeah, present so this? Yeah, so I was wondering, we were having discussions uh, a few weeks ago about what was the appropriate time to start listening to Christmas music. I know some people listen to Christmas music all year round. I know some Insane. people um, listen to it when they're happy based on their mood. I know some people listen to it you know, just in the week of Christmas. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts, Soren, on what was the appropriate time to listen to Christmas music? I think this is a great question. For me, um, I'm going to get a lot of bad bad feedback from this because I am not a strong fan of Christmas music. It's the same thing every single year. There's no variety. It's the same song. Um, the people who made the Christmas music or songs are extremely rich at this point. It's just you see the charts are flat, and then December it goes way up. Yeah, but it's very repetitive. So I'm gonna say two days before Christmas. Two days, December twenty third. December twenty third is the appropriate time. Um, before that, you could listen to whatever music you want. December second is or December twenty third is dedicated to music in the Whoa. Christmas genre. I've heard a lot of things, but that is just about as close as you can get to Christmas. I'm kind of, you know, in the camp where December 1st, perfect way to start. Um, or yeah. when it starts snowing. If you're up north and if, it starts snowing. Actually, that could that could be a li- almost anywhere. Well, some, some places it snows in August, so that's yeah. kind of an arbitrary number. I've, I feel like December 1st is the start to having campfire or like fireplaces and having fireplace uh, ambiance in the background hmm. once it hits 23rd or i'll give you i'll give you four days the 20th a nice even number oh okay or three yeah four days nice so even you number extended your rain a little bit all right well yeah. i am very interested to see what everybody else has to hear about this what do you say soren let's kick it to the kids in the hall What's up, guys? Foreign Post is here. I'm joined with Asher Friedman. And Asher, what is the time or like earliest time to start listening to Christmas music? Ooh. Honestly, I'm going to have to say like 
December 15th. I was part of a Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm more of a two days before Christmas type of guy. It gets a, it gets a little bit too much, so I would, I would not be, um, I would not be like mad about that either. Like two days before is pretty valid. Thank you. All right, everybody. Who am I here with today? Margo and Max. All right. In your honorable or not honorable opinion, what is the appropriate time to start listening to Christmas music? Whenever you want. It is so good. I personally like to save it because I listen to I will only listen to Christmas music during December and that's it. So, I'm a little different, but I wouldn't say don't start earlier. All right, Max. I would say, you know, as a general rule of thumb, post Thanksgiving, but if you're into Christmas music and you're feeling it, I'd say go go for it even before that, unless you're around somebody else who wants to save it for themselves, and then I think you should respect their opinion. I will say there are exceptions, like on the first cooler day yeah, of the year, yeah. you might listen to, like I'll listen to Beach Boys Christmas music, yeah. so that it's a little bit of a compromise. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. in summer, that's fair. That makes sense. So you get a little bit of joy. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, I'll have to respectfully disagree with you. What? <laughs> I, I say days before. No way. I say December 1st, but. December 1st? After Thanksgiving is perfect. That's when you put up the Christmas tree. What about tree, when you're just like needing some joy some in July? You listen to other music. Or some joy in July. Yeah. Or. Honestly. <laughs> or. I like to listen to non-classics before December, and then once December hits, then I let myself listen to all of it. What's your favorite Christmas song? <gasps> mm, probably All I Want for Christmas is You. Or, or Santa Baby, but the old one. No, I don't know. I, there's so many. I, never, I don't know, I can never remember all of my thoughts. <laughs> well, that's it, thank you. This has been the Paper Thin Thought Podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. We really appreciate a rating. And remember to leave us a question that could potentially be answered in following episodes. As always, I'm Soren Povasils, accompanied by Ben Rikosh. Keep up the thin thoughts and stay tuned for next week's episode. Paper Thin Thoughts is produced by the Charlottesville High School Podcasting Network. Executive producers are Jen Horn and Dave Stipe. Senior producers are Ben Rikosh and Soren Povasils. This episode was edited and mixed by Ben Rikosh. Music is produced and created thank you to Jacob Lightborn, Miss Waters, and the CHS music production team. Thank you to Mr. Rashad Pitt and the rest of the CHS faculty and staff for the support.